0: Good morning again, Church. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Though, as uh, we communicated, we had some uh, uh, setback this morning, and uh, but we hope that next Friday it will be, we'll be back on our regular uh, platform on YouTube. Uh, but yes, we bless God for the blessing of technology and for the blessing of our brother John that always comes with ways uh, to serve the Church in this regard. And uh, we want again to acknowledge him and his service to New Life Church. Uh, Again, John, thank you very much. Uh, As we come to this moment, we need to uh, remember the Church, uh, that we are starting a new mini-series this uh, morning. Uh, we have, as an elder, gave gave uh, to the church uh, the possibility or the proposal that we have uh, for the new government uh, uh, for the church. So we we pray we pray that uh, we pray that uh, we are able to see and uh, to find. Uh, reasons on how we as an elder think about the government of the church. Um, We shared yesterday, as I said, the proposal, and we are asking for the church, for us all, to be able to read what is there and to engage in this process. This is not a responsibility of the elders. The church is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the elders are here to build up saints to the work of the ministry so we all are involved and if we don't understand what the foundation of our church is in this case the constitution of our church how we operate who we are uh, there is no a, a good way for us to move forward as a church and to grow so i really beg and plead with the church read engage ask questions because we are doing a major transformation in the Constitution or we are proposing a major transformation in the uh, Constitution. So bear with us, be with us, walk with us in this process. We are not rushing at all. So today we just want to start a mini series where we believe we can present biblical arguments or biblical points of why do we think do we think that elder-led congregationalism is, is the right uh, way of church government for New Life Church? But we know that at the end, the decision is of all of us as a church where we come again in unity. So for us this morning, um, we will be reading out of Matthew chapter 16, from verses 13 to verse 20. But our focus will be mainly in verse 18. But as we know for one year now, uh, the COVID restriction have caused New Life Church and other churches um, from uh, not gathering publicly. So all public gatherings of the church, uh, of many churches are on hold. Uh, we do have a possibility of doing that on Thursday. But on the day reserved for the worship, normal worship, we don't have that opportunity yet, and we are looking forward for that. So many believers have turned to various form of technology and to encourage one another during this unusual season. We can pray for one another over the phone, we can host virtual Bible study over the Zoom, and we can have virtual gatherings as what we are having right now today. But we know that this reality probes a question to many, and many people are asking these questions today. If I am a Christian, do I really need to regularly, physically gather with other believers? In other words, do I need to belong to a church? Do I need to belong to the church? Can we not just gather virtually as we are doing here? I can stay in my home, you can stay on your home through internet, we can fellowship. Is it uh, the right thing to do? Can we do that today? Don't misunderstand us, don't misunderstand me. I'm grateful that we can minister to one another in these virtual ways uh, while we are scattered. But today, I simply want to remind us what a church is, in the light of God's word. And I would like to say here, as a, as a starting point, that a church is far more than us coming together in one place. This is for sure. And there is no doubt of, of that in my mind as well, and I see it even in the scripture. But to say that church is less than the physical gathering of the saints, it's not also biblical. Yes, church is more than gathering, but it's never less than that gathering. It seems like a good time for us to consider why Christians should prioritize gathering at the first place. Even though many congregations cannot meet, assembling is of essence of a church gathering is not merely a nice thing to do it is part of what a church is and the a, go- a good way for us to picture this in crystal and clear in our mind is to think about the couple which the husband's works overseas of course just as a husband and wife are still married when the husband is deployed, let me say for six months overseas. A church is still a church, even when it cannot gather. This is true, but you will also agree with me if I say that there are things we expect that married couple should and must do regularly which cannot be accomplished virtually isn't it i remember two weeks ago i gave my example my uh, like in our marriage in the first year vitorina had to go to india and uh, she stayed i believe if i'm not mistaken for 4 uh, 6 uh, weeks and i was counting down the days for her to come back simply because as i said there are things that virtually a couple cannot accomplish. They are still married, but they cannot renew their marriage vows as they supposed to do regularly because they are not physically present at the same time, at the same place in unity of the spirit soul and the unity of the body as well. So being married, we can say, is a lot more than be physically together, but it is not less than that. The necessity of the presence of gathering together, of uniting together, cannot be dismissed from a marriage. In the same way, a church is still a church when we cannot gather. But such circumstances thankfully are historically abnormal for the Church. They are not the the rule. And as as the married couple we, we have seen longs to be reunited, my hope is that God might use this season when churches cannot meet to make us long for the sweet glories of assembling again. Perhaps, in mysteries, in God's providence. One of God's purposes for this time is to help us treasure the reality that a church is. And we are arguing this session that a church is the gathering of the saints. For the next few weeks, as I said, the elders would like to preach a short series of sermons on the church, and more specifically, on what the Bible says about the church and congregationalism. It is our desire as elders of New Life Church to see our church to grow in her personal character, in her public ministry, and also in her uh, theological understanding, education. We need to know uh, what God's word says about us. And in order to do so eff- effectively, it is important that we all understand it. We all understand what the church is, who is building the church, and how the church is being built. So today, as I said, I want to draw attention to the narrative where Jesus told his disciple that he is building, not his here, his church. Jesus is building his church. And it is important for us to notice the emphasis that Jesus is putting, saying, His church. And this narrative is found in uh, Matthew 16, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, from verse 13 to verse 20. So, as I said, the focus will be verse 18. Let's read the passage now. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Father, we just ask for your help at this time. Uh, May you give me a clear thought. On what you want to communicate to your church, Father, and that in that end, my brothers and this, my brothers and sisters will be able to receive this word, not as the word of men, but as the word that comes from you, which is able to save our soul and build us up in our most holy faith. All for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we see here from verse 18 clearly Jesus saying that He is building His church. Why it is important for us to emphasize that? Because in those days other people were building also their churches. Yeah, just give me a time. I will explain this point. But bear in mind that Jesus is building His church. His church. He has been doing so for centuries, whether in Jerusalem or in Judea, in Samaria, or in the ends of the earth, Jesus is building his church for the past 2,000 years. From the time he resurrected and the time he ascended to the time he will come back in the second time, one thing that Jesus is doing is building his church. And so today I want to ask and answer the question, what is then the church? If Jesus is building his church, so he is the builder, all right? And here we can recall Psalm uh, 127, if the Lord does not build the house in vain, those that labor, uh, they labor in vain. So we need to understand then, what is this church that Jesus is building? It is important for us to understand that if Jesus is building his church, then we need to begin by understanding what the church is. So this leads me to my first point. The church is the community of all believers for all time. And we borrow this from Wayne Gruden in his uh, systematic book, Systematic Theology book when he says that the church is the community of all true believers for all time and i think that it it is very helpful definition so the, the the word or the english word church is derived from the greek word ecclesia and ecclesia is really a combination of two greek words ek which means from or out of, and kaleo, which means to call out. So, ecclesia means, the, the, the uh, uh, etymol- etymological definition is gathering of the citizens called out from their homes into some public place. So, this all to say, in short, that ecclesia is an assembly. That's the definition of this word. The word church, ecclesia in the original, means assembly. That's the meaning. And the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.25 that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul uses the terms church to refer to all those for whom Christ died, all those who are saved by the death of Christ. The way Jesus is building His church is by adding to the church those people for whom He died. Jesus will be. Jesus said, "I will build my church," and throughout the ages, Jesus has added uh, believers into His church. Very uh, interestingly, uh, Luke tells us in the book of Acts which is a record of how Jesus was building his church, shortly his death and resurrection, that the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. We see that in Act 2, 47. And the process by which Jesus is building his church in the New Testament is simply a continuation of the process by which he was building his church in the Old Testament. In here, I need to be honest to you that there are uh, still some discussion if there is different between, difference between Israel and the church. Many people say that it is in continuation, uh, but others disagree with that, saying that the church exists only in the New Testament, uh, but we can See some similarities with Israel in uh, the Old Testament. For example, it's very clear that the word church or ecclesia in the original shows up also in the Old Testament, in the Septu- Septu- Septuagint uh, Bible, which is the Bible that uh, the Greek Bible translation from the Hebrew text and this word appears in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 10 where God is saying gather the people to me that I may that I may let them hear my my words i say this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 10 i'm sorry for my rolling tongue in here <laughs> Yeah, but again, I said that Jesus or oh, God is saying to Israel, God are my people. And that people, that people that God is saying there is the assembly. So Israel is called also the Ecclesia, the Ecclesia over there in the Old Testament. And many other verses we see uh, Israel being called Ecclesia or Ecclesia, which of course means church in the translation of the New Testament, but for us to get to the point that we say that Israel is the church and the church is is Israel is where then we have some differences in that interpretation. Um, But we cannot, without any uh, doubt, we see many similar instances that we. In the Old Testament or in the New Testament or words for the church in the New Testament recalls us or make us to recall Israel uh, a good example is first Peter uh, 2 uh, verses 9 where God is saying to the church that you are my chosen people you are the uh, holy nation the nation of the priesthood the holy priest priesthood and if you you recall if you go to exodus chapter 19 over there in verses 4 5 and 6 you will see the same words or similar word, words applied to Israel so just for us to see that, that there is very uh, a time connection or fine line in the difference between Israel and the church so it is not then surprising uh, that the New Testament authors speak of the Old Testament people of Israel as the church. Uh, for example, Stephen uh, in Acts chapter 7, uh, he calls the congregation Ecclesia, again Israel, in the wilderness. And so the church is the community of all true believers. Though the way Jesus was building his church in the Old Testament was different from the way he does that in the New Testament, it is appropriate to think that the church is a community of believers of all time, simply because in the Old Testament salvation was, was also uh, through, by, by, by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have time to explore that, but make sure that in the Old Testament, salvation was not by the uh, uh, fulfilling of the law, by obeying the law, but it was by grace, through faith, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Any other day, we can explore that. So, why then it is important for us to understand this? Uh, Because, in this century, in in a day that we have dysfunctional families, communities, even government, some seem out of the control within um, the context of community. Knowing that Jesus came to establish a new community, and from this new community make himself known to the world as an example of a co- of what a, a true community must be it is our responsibility then or it is of important responsibility for us to understand what a church is we are this new community that Jesus himself is building up. He is making us different from the world. And even that sometimes the world doesn't accept us, doesn't accept the Christian church and doesn't understand or accept why we believe what we believe. In many ways there is for them no other answers for their problem but to see to, to the church and i want us to be clear on that just open open your bible quickly in the book of ephesians chapter 3 verses 7 to verse 10 here paul is presenting again his apostleship to the ephesian church and from verse 7 he says the following of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan or what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in god who created all things so that pay attention to this verse so that through the church the manifold wisdom of god might known might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places Paul is affirming the centrality of the church in God's plan. God will manifest his wisdom in this world and to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies, not through an individual, but through the community of the saints, of people that Jesus Christ died for. And it is important for us, to want, because many of us, we are captured by this uh, individualistic and selfish life or lifestyle, even in the church. We think, many of us, that we are able to change the world by us, like one person. We think, how oh, many can think that they are like our Lord Jesus Christ. So they live their life apart from the church. But the Bible is saying that God has chosen not the individual, not Pedro, but Pedro in collaboration or in the church. And this goes even when we think about our families. Our families are part of a bigger family, which is the family of God, the community of God. And I'm sure you have heard me say, which I heard from someone, your family its only for this earth, but God's family is for eternity." So these things need to be in our mind as we think about the church. So my second point is that the church is invisible, but yet it is visible. I believe for those that were in discovering NLC classes, It is kind of a repetition, but see what Juan Grudem again says about the church. He says the following In its true spiritual reality, as the, sorry, Juan Grudem says, In its true spiritual reality, as the fellowship of all genuine believers, the church is invisible. So, in in another words, he is saying, that those that are truly saved all of them they are part of the invisible church but the problem is or the question is that we cannot see what is going on in the heart of the person so i was saying then that uh, we we are not able to assess the hearts of the people we can only see the outward evidence of the inward spiritual change in the life of the people. But we cannot see people's heart and what their spiritual state is. Only God can do that. So then, we conclude that the invisible church is the church as God sees it and not as man sees it. The true church is not merely uh, the outward form of organization like the structure that we have, but it is the fellowship of all genuine believers around the world. On the other hand, the Church of Christ certainly has a visible aspect as well. So we can say that the visible Church is the Church as Christians on earth sees it. In this sense, the visible church includes all who professes faith in Christ and give evidence of that faith in their life. When the Apostle Paul writes his letters, he writes them to the visible church in each community. Let me explain that uh, clearly. We see that the invisible needs to have an expression into the visible. the most uh uh way that or 85 percent of the times that paul uses or the new testament uses the word church it does the author does not or do not use that in a general way in an invisible way but in a visible way so when we see in first corinthians one two Paul is saying to the church of God in Corinth or then in Thessalon- uh, Thessalonica, uh, he says to the church of Thessalonians and to Philemon, our beloved worker and Aphia, our sister and uh, Archippus, our soldier and the church in their house. We see is a local when we see that in Philemon, uh, Philemon, sorry. Uh, chapter 1 oh verses 1 and 2 it's only one chapter the visible church consists of all those who profess faith in Jesus some of those who profess faith may not be true believers because only Jesus sees the heart and knows those who are true believers yet Paul simply wrote to the entire church that met in a particular location. The visible church is always includes some who are not true believers because we cannot see hearts as God sees them. Paul speaks to Enemios uh, and uh, Philotheos who have uh, swerved from or has uh, departed from the truth. And he says to Timothy, in in 2 Timothy 2, 17-18, that they are upsetting, these men are upsetting those of the faith. But he is confident that the Lord knows who are his. As a church committed to a local community, it is important that That local commitment makes the invisible relationship between the person with Christ visible in his commitment to one another, and this spiritual reality is what people see around us. No wonder Christ says, if you love one another, The world will know that you belong to me. As individual, we come to Christ, but as we come, we are united in Christ with other believers. So people in this region, and we will they will see how church looks like, how is this new community that Christ has saved when they will see us in our local church? I was saying that we are transitioning to our last point this uh, morning, and just bear with us, and uh, we'll go through it together, yeah? That's why we need to come back. We need to come back physically. Maybe we can avoid loss of internet connection. All right, my last point. The church is local and also universal. Or maybe we can say the church is universal And local. So we say in the second point that the church is invisible, which corresponds to the universal church, but it is also visible, which corresponds to the local church, meaning the local church is an expression of the universal church. One of the most common metaphors used to describe the church in the New Testament is the assembly as the body of Christ. While this is a profound spiritual reality, it takes on a visible expression of that in the local church. So a genuine love for God must produce in us a love for one another. That's what 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says, and even in chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 says. So if we love God, we will love other members and other members of the body of Christ. And how this love can be expressed in a commitment in a local church. And that commitment is what we call membership. It's nothing else but the commitment to love and to obey God together in a local community. So as we say in the New Testament, the word church may be applied to a group of believers at any level. From the local church or a church in a home, a church in the city, or even the universal church as we see in Acts, 931 the Bible says so the church throughout all Judea all Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built so the word church there is applied in a region the region of Judea the region of Galilee the region of Samaria. but as I said Paul in Ephesians 5 25 when he says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so we can ask which church God Christ has died for it is only New Life Church or only let me say UCCD in Dubai Redeemer Church here in Abu Dhabi Grace Church Cornerstone ECC With church, the Bible is saying that that Jesus has loved and gave himself for. It's not a local church, but the universal church. But this universal church must have expression in a local community. Why it is important for us to do this or to understand this? Because as you and me, there are many other believers in other parts of this world. Even as you come to Abu Dhabi, as you came to Abu Dhabi, you might have uh, left your church at home. But because you are not physically in contact with them day in daily basis, it is quite difficult for you to commit in walking with Christ, with them, because they are far from you. That's why, Every place that we move, every place that we go, we need to find a community of believers where we can commit, where we can say, Look, I have seen that the word is preached in this place. Now I want to walk with you and make the name of our Lord Jesus Christ known to the world by this commitment. Brothers and sisters, there is a lot of women in this world but my commitment it is to one woman. And what I give and I receive from that relationship is only possible from the commitment or from the covenant of marriage. So there is a lot of churches around us, but it will be unwise for us to think that you can one Friday here, another Friday there, another Friday there, walking without any commitment. We need to commit to a local church where we believe that we are being built and where we can also give and serve with our gifts in order for us to make God known and Jesus Christ known to the world. But unfortunately, there are some people today who say that the only true church is the one that meets in the houses. Others say we need to go back to the the New Testament uh, where we say that it's only the universal church. I can be, I am a believer, there is no way for me or there is no need for me to walk with anyone else. Yes, that's true. The church met in the in in homes. This is true. But today, uh, the New Testament also shows us that there is a church which are gathering in in cities in in a, a regional in regional area regional areas. So there is a place of the local church in the Bible. Many say that the church or the local church is dead. They say that because local church are no longer true churches and they understand what the true church is, that's why people should not longer attend the local church, they say. It is better to stay at home, listen to someone from a message from radio or even from YouTube, and then I'm, I'm, I'm good to live my life. Brothers and sisters, our foundation of our faith is God's word. And as we search God's word, we see that this is not what we with what we see revealed in our in the scriptures. Uh, I'm sorry uh, Vitorina said that uh, I, I went down again, uh, but I see that uh, the connection continues but as I said, as we see in in God's word, we see that the church the local church is part of the revelation that uh, god gods bring to us so in the next days in the next few uh, uh, weeks we will be exploring this and the next question we will start answering is how how then god is building his church and i hope that this will be a defining moment for new life church but as i said the first thing that we need to understand is that yes there is a universal church but this universal church is or has a reflection in a local body, in a visible manner, which we call the local church. And we, as believers, we need to commit to a local church. So if you are here with us in New Life Church and you are saved and you want to make God known to this world, you can choose. New Life Church as your faith family. If you don't have any other place that uh, to fellowship, brothers and sisters, Jesus, yes, He saves us individually. But as we come to Him, as He is a good Shepherd, when He call upon our names, we don't come individually to Him. We are united in that bond, in that love and that unity in the bond of peace. May you then, as New Life Church, may we grow in this love and commitment for one another. And may God bless us as we keep and we strive to grow together spiritually in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, next week we will continue this message by showing how, how then Jesus is building his church. I pray that uh, uh, we could retain something from this morning and may God bless you. Let's just thank God for the message of today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Uh, I pray that uh, you will enable us as a church. To understand what you are doing in our midst. We pray that you may open the eyes and the our eyes and our ears so that we may understand the scriptures, O oh Lord. May your name be glorified in New Life Church. Bless us, O oh Lord, as we come to you with the humble heart, presenting not our ability, but our viability. In order for you to do whatever you want in and through us for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.